Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. So Luke chapter 9, and uh, starting in verse 57, the Bible says this, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he, Jesus, said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Lord, we come to you this morning, and we just ask that you'd speak to us. God, uh, would you help us that as we look into even this passage, would you help it uh, to motivate us uh, in how to continue. Lord, we've seen you, as we've already said and looked upon, we've seen you work, Lord, in and through us, and we just ask that you would uh, motivate us through the message today, Lord, to just continue to see that work as we uh, focus on and as we, uh, Lord, just endeavor to truly be followers of you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Um. <clears throat> Two years ago this weekend, I, I told you that we, it was launch Sunday and, uh, and that I uh, showed up super early that morning, had all the nervous jitters, all of that. And, uh, and honestly, uh, this, past weekend, or this past week, I was looking back at some of the uh, video footage that showed a little bit in that video that we, uh, that we started the service with and, uh, and some of the pictures from that day. And it, it's almost surreal looking back at uh, that day because of, uh, it was only two years ago, but it feels like forever ago. And, uh, and just seeing the, the faces, some of your faces in those pictures uh, from that first weekend and seeing uh, just people come together from even outside of town to come and support a new church that was getting started and just to show up and say, hey, we're for you and we want to see God do something here. Uh, it, it really was just surreal but on that day, I, I looked back at my notes. I, uh, it's been two years, and I remember starting the book of Acts because uh, that was what I, I began our, when I began our series through the book of Acts. Uh, but I couldn't really remember everything that I had preached from that message. Like I said, it's two years ago. Do you remember what I preached two weeks ago? Um, you know, maybe, maybe some of you do. Uh, so two years ago, if I were to say, recall that, unless you took notes, you might not remember. Uh, and I know I didn't. So I looked back at the details of it. And, uh, and I preached the message that was entitled, The Mission Statement of the Church. It was from Acts chapter number 1, looking at Acts 1, 8, and just uh, how Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. You're going to do so here in Jerusalem and Judea, and eventually you're going to get to the uttermost part of the earth. And in the message, I gave the mission statement of our church. And it's, very simply, it was this. It was, Ridgepoint exists to elevate Jesus, equip believers to grow in Jesus, and to evangelize the lost for Jesus. And if you were here in the first couple of years, or really the first couple months, but a lot in that first year, you might have seen and heard that from time to time. It was on our, it's still on our website. It's on um, 
are uh, a lot of the things we handed out there at the beginning of the uh, church. And uh, I mentioned it on and off because I, I, I really just wanted us to get to a point where we re- recognize that everything we do is all about Jesus and it's all because of Jesus and it's all for Jesus. Uh, and, and, and it eventually morphed into now uh, the kind of statement that we uh, introduced last year Still, same mission statement, uh, but condensing it into one statement to help us just say what we're about. Uh, we say that Ridgepoint is, uh, is here to help people, and some of you have the uh, shirt on or have something on, uh, in your Bible that says, find and follow Jesus, right? That's what we're uh, trying to get people to do, that we're, we're here to equip believers to follow Jesus. We're here to evangelize the lost, to find Christ, and then to grow in him and to continually follow him. And uh, that's really what we're here to do and what we're about as Rich Point. Uh, we're, we're here to help people find and follow Jesus. But what does that actually mean? <laughs> right? Like, that, that's an awesome saying. It's even alliterated. Find and follow Jesus. What does that mean? That we want people to come to know Christ, and then we want him to follow them with their, uh, with their lives. And I, I don't just mean what does that mean even for what our mission statement is or what we want to do in our church, but, but what does that even mean for us on a personal level? As people who identify with Christ, and hopefully by the, uh, by the time that uh, we're done with the end of this year especially, but this year we focused on our identity in Christ and how that uh, outflows to a living for Christ, uh, that people as identify with, I, people that identify with Christ, what is that going to look like in the life of a believer, that fellowship, uh, and how is that going to inform each and every one of our decisions on a personal level and as on a church level to keep us on track as we try to reach people in our community and around the world? What, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Or what does it take to follow Jesus? Um, the word follow, uh, I feel nowadays, has a really shallow connotation. Uh, following is such a remedial thing now because of social media. I mean, I follow thousands of people, right, uh, right now on social media. Thousands of people easily follow me on social media. But uh, it, that word follow really means something that's non-committal now in our, our uh, context. It, it's, if I follow someone online, it, it really doesn't mean that I'm committed to them in any way. It just means I'm trying to keep tabs on what they're doing, right? I follow political figures that I don't follow them if, in the true meaning of the word, but I follow them just to keep tabs on what they're doing. There are people that, uh, that do the same to us as we're uh, online. And, and I think uh, if, if you've been on Facebook even for any length of time, uh, probably around 10 to 15 years, you'd have to be on it to remember this, uh, but we actually saw the shift in the change of the, wi- the, the name of a button, okay? Uh, and, and this is where I want to distinguish, and this isn't original with me, but uh, Kyle Eidelman wrote a book called Not a Fan. I don't know if you've read it, but uh, where he distinguishes fans of Jesus and followers of Jesus. Uh, and we saw this distinction get, get muffled in one transition on Facebook. Uh, and if you remember this, there used to be a button called Become a Fan, does anybody remember that on Facebook, a few of you? Where you click a button to become a fan of a page. Uh, it was, it was uh, where you, uh, and it, it was the most 
dumb stuff sometimes. It was like eating pizza with your friends was the name of the page. And you're like, I'm a fan of that. You know, you, you just click it. I'm a fan. And uh, sometimes they'll just randomly, whoever owns that page, post again and it pops up on my timeline. And I'm like, what? Going to Pizza Hut with my friends? What is, <laughs> what? And go un- unfollow them. But what they did was they took out the become a fan button and they changed it to a follow button or a like button. And uh, I'm not saying that Facebook is the, you know, root of all of our problems in followership of Christ. But I'm just saying that uh, we, we in our minds have conflated the two of keeping tabs on or liking something or liking what someone can do for us with following them because of the age of social media. And sadly, this, uh, this shallow understanding of fellowship of following someone just to keep tabs on them or just because I like some things that they do, it's crept its way into Christian living. In, in that, uh, especially here in America, we, followed, we say we follow Jesus, but oftentimes we really just kind of like Jesus when it really comes down to it. Uh, people are just fans of Jesus. We see it in the Gospels where people liked what Jesus could do for them. But the instant he called them to a decision, they walked away. That, that the instant he actually called for discipleship, not just, hey, I'll give you bread, or hey, I'll heal your sick, but I actually want you to follow what I'm teaching, then people just walked away. They were fans of what he could do, but they weren't true followers of him. But our, the definition of following Jesus seems to be a, a pretty committed and high call from Christ himself. I mean, think about some of the things that Jesus has said. If you've read the Gospels, he says this, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. That doesn't sound fun. And follow me. That's what he says. Uh, if you're going to follow me, it's going to require you to deny yourself and then to take on and identify with my suffering. Okay? And a lot of people, they walked away when he said that. If you want to, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross. See, after the fi- feeding the 5,000, uh, if you were to read it in, in the gospel accounts, he just fed all of the 5,000 and uh, he's over in that area on the, uh, on the west side, east side, sorry, of Galilee, okay? Uh, he's on the east side of Galilee and as he's there uh, feeding the 5,000, it says he sends his disciples in a boat and you remember the story in the middle of the night he they get out on the boat there's a big storm and Jesus sees them and Peter walks on the water and Jesus walks on the water and that whole thing takes place and then it says when Jesus steps in the boat they end up on a shore and we know from context of scripture that it was the shore of Capernaum because that next day a bunch of the people that got food from him at the feeding of the 5,000 are in Capernaum asking him for food and he says not this time there's no bread this time. There's no, there's no uh, food this time. I am the food. And he said those lines, uh, unless someone drink my blood and eat of my body. Now, that, he wasn't talking about communion and he wasn't talking about com- com- cannibalism. What he was saying was, unless you identify with my suffering, unless you identify with the fact that I'm going to die, my body and my blood are going to be given, unless you identify with that, You cannot be my disciple. And a lot of people walked away. They said, this is a hard saying. And Jesus even looked to his own 12 disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And that's where Peter says, 
one of the few times Peter got it right, he said, where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And, and they start to truly then from that point, it's, that's the turning point in Jesus' ministry where his 12 then begin to truly be discipled and learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And yet we even see them start to fall away. But we see there Jesus say, it's not just what I can do for you. I will do things for you. I provide for you, but I am the bread. I'm not just going to give you your daily bread. I am the bread. I am what you need. And they walked away. Jesus even said the words, unless a man hates his own father and mother, they cannot be my disciple. What? I got to hate my family? And we know from context too that Jesus wasn't saying uh, just forsake everyone in your family and hate them and, and do whatever you can hateful toward them and then follow me. He's saying, no, no, no. In comparison, I'm first priority. And then everything else flows from your relationship with me. But it seems that what Jesus is calling us to is much more than just being a part of his fan base. He wants people who are actually going to follow his pattern of life, follow his sacrificial example, and follow his high standard uh, teachings. So what does it look like to actually follow Jesus? And, and, and I, don't just, uh, I don't just ask that to be trivial, but truly, like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, it seems to be that he's asking us to much more than just liking what he does for us or just liking the identity that it kind of brings to be a part of a church or be a part uh, or, or to identify with his name at times. But uh, it, it, there is a cost to it is what Jesus seems to convey to us. There's a cost to following Jesus. Does it require us more than just saying, I'm a Christian? Well, it seems too. Actual following of Christ seems to be more than just saying, I'm a Christian, I believe in Christ. That's belief in Christ, but following afterwards seems to, uh, seems to uh, require more. It seems to require more than just saying, I go to such and such church, but that I actually follow what Jesus teaches. And we find here in our passage today, three would-be followers of Jesus and though each of them seem to have the intent and desire to follow Christ, Jesus doesn't just automatically say they're followers because they desire to follow him. So I want us to evaluate Jesus' response to them and, and then learn what it takes to truly be a follower of Christ. And I want us to notice first that Jesus says, a life of following me is a life of trusting completely. A life of trusting completely. In verse 57, 58 of our passage, he says that a, a, a man came to him and said, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. That's a great response, by the way, uh, to come to Christ and say, I'll go with you wherever, wherever you call, I'll be there, Lord. It's a great response. But Jesus, uh, what was Jesus's response to him? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you might not have a place to stay. You might not have a bed to go to sleep on. Even foxes have that. Even birds have a nest. But if you follow me, you identify with what it takes to follow me, there might be some uncertain days ahead. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. He was very careful to make clear that his what his expectations were before getting people to sign up to following him. 
It, it wasn't just a, uh, I, I, want, I want the Jesus bumper sticker. <laughs> Jesus said, no, I want you to actually be uh, in line with what I'm teaching. And if you do so, there might be some uncertain days ahead. And I think often we paint a picture of following Jesus that doesn't include uh, uncertain days or doesn't include suffering. But it's not a complete picture of following Jesus when we do this. It, it, the, following Jesus is definitely a life of joy and peace, no doubt about it. For those of us who are followers of Christ, we understand there's joy in it, there's peace in it, uh, that you just can't even understand, uh, people can't even understand the peace that God brings when we follow him. People can't even understand the joy when we're truly following him. Following him. It, it doesn't make sense to the world to see, a, see that. And it is a life of that, but there, it's a life of that in the midst of trials and afflictions and all of those things. Uh, Jesus said, uh, to this man, following me isn't always going to be easy. There are going to be times that are uncertain. You're going to have to trust me completely if you're going to follow. No reservations. If you have any reserves that are holding you back from trusting me when the times get hard, then you should probably not come along, is what Jesus says. And this man says, uh, this man says I'll go wherever. And Jesus says, just so you know, wherever means wherever. You'll go wherever? Wherever means wherever, and that might mean through a dark valley. It might mean through a time of illness. That might mean through a time of turmoil in your family because they don't hold to the same level of fellowship of Christ as you. And it might mean loneliness, loneliness even at times. But wherever means wherever. So though that's a great decision to say, I'll go wherever you lead, God, do we really mean wherever? Uh, through uncertainty and through hardships, do we mean that? I, I remember uh, when we were preparing to start the church uh, here, and, and I'm talking at least two years prior to even launching, so uh, like four years ago, where Rebecca and I, knowing that we were going to start a church and starting to kind of get in the uh, beginning processes of it, we, we started to pray that, we, that the Lord would give us a launch team, Okay, and what I mean by that is uh, people that uh, were already saved, disciple, new to give, uh, and maybe even a bonus graduated from Bible college, move out of their place and come to Wenatchee and be there on the first Sunday forward and, and help us uh, do everything. And I mean, we prayed uh, for specific people. I remember uh, uh, many of you have met Lamar from, uh, uh, from Wooden Valley Baptist Church, Rebecca's home church, which in, uh, Pastor Rich from there will be speaking for us next week. I'm excited about it. But uh, Lamar and them, we, we were praying about them. They're our best friends in ministry. We were like, man, Lord, change their hearts from being on the west side. Bring them to Wenatchee. Uh, we, we prayed about people uh, all over the country that we knew. And we even went the, the next step and asked a few people, like, uh, hey, would you pray about maybe this being the Lord's will that you come. And I, I even had some people call me and say, hey, uh, ask, ask questions about the church and say, hey, we're thinking about moving there to Wenatchee. And we were like, what? Yeah, no, no way. People are actually going to come. They caught the vision and we're going to do this. Uh, but, but launch Sunday came and went and there was no, there was no launch team like we thought there was going to be. Uh, in fact, uh, I remember there was a point where we, we had moved to Wenatchee it was June of 2020, uh, and, uh, and we, we were starting to kind of look for a place, and Rebecca and I got to a point where we, we realized God's not bringing us the launch team we thought we were. <laughs> we had seen friends do that. We had seen it work out in such great ways for other people, and we were like, doesn't seem like God's going to do that, so how about we just trust him 
and say, Lord, if we do it by ourselves, we do it by ourselves. <laughs> and and I, I remember having that conversation where we said, it, we, it might just be us, and, and we got to be okay with that. And just trusting the Lord completely in that uh, moment, not even knowing that a few months later, on October 11th, when we launched the church there, and, uh, that a few of you came on, on that first Sunday, and, and especially those who came in the first couple, uh, couple of weeks who have stayed, uh, that the Lord had prepared a launch team, quote-unquote, for us, that, that he had prepared. Not the one we were asking for, but, but the one that he had prepared for us, that, that had come and got excited and helped us set up. I, I, in two years, Rebecca and I never have had to do the setup or tear down by ourselves. That's a testament to God. And, and I don't say all this to say, whoa, for you to go, whoa, Pastor and Rebecca's faith is amazing. They, did it, they were willing to do it alone. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm, I'm saying that to say, what a testament to God when we trust him, right? He calls us to trust him in every single situation. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. I, I mean, it starts with placing our complete trust in him. It starts at that point where we say, God, I cannot get to heaven on my own. I have no righteousness of my own. I have no way to work my way to heaven. I, I have no way. I'm condemned already because of my sin. Lord, I can't do it. And we take our faith and trust and we place it completely in Jesus Christ for salvation. But sadly for a lot of people, that's where it stops. We trust him completely for salvation but then we uh, try to do the sanctification and the rest of our life on our own. And what Jesus is trying to teach us here about following him is that I need you not just to start with trusting me, I need you to always completely trust me. If you follow, it's going to lead through uncertain times. It's going to require that you take your faith and trust and place it in me at all times of your life. Because following Jesus is a life of trusting completely. No reservations. If you find yourself at any time having a mindset of, I will do that, Lord, if, anytime. Lord, I'll follow if, then we need to get out of that mindset because we're not truly a follower of Jesus in that moment. We're just someone who wants to identify and get his blessings. We're a fan of his. But following Jesus, it's a life of trusting completely. No reservations. But I want to see, secondly, it's also a life of true commitment. A life of true commitment. In verse 59 and uh, 60, uh, Jesus actually initiates the conversation with uh, this second man and he tells him, follow me. And the man says, uh, allow me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus says, I don't accept that excuse. And when you first read it, you're like, what? <laughs> the man wants to bury his dead father and you're not even going to let him do that, Jesus? Well, if you understand the context, it's, it's actually... Uh, it's actually the fault of the man. And I want us to see that because what, what Jesus was understood that this man was saying, whether this man's father had already died or whether he was about to die, either way, the process of burial was not just uh, our Western context thinking of burial. Nowadays we think, okay, someone passes away, we, we embalm them, we... Uh, uh, we uh, cremate them. We, we do something very quickly. It's very quick. Uh, and normally in a few days, uh, they're, they're in the ground or they're in a box, right? We, it's a very quick thing uh, for us in our Western context. For there, not so. 
for there, it started, okay, the, the first thing that started in the burial process was the mourning. They would hire mourners. I wish we had this today. It would be so cool. They would hire people to go in their front yard and just, oh, you're such a good guy, and, you know, cry out loud and, and beat their chest and wear sackcloth and ashes. Uh, and, and we see that, in fact, we see that taking place in one of the instances where Jesus shows up to uh, heal a, a, 12, a little girl who had already died. And uh, the mourning had already taken place. And he says, no, she's just sleeping. And the mourners then weren't mourning anymore. They were laughing at him. Okay? But that's the first step of the burial process, is the mourning process. Then what they would do is after the mourning process and all of that, then they would take the body and they would uh, normally, uh, and sometimes this would take place during the mourning process or it would be a part of the mourning process, but they would put them inside uh, a tomb of some kind, uh, f- fully, fully wrapped up, all of that. We see that with Jesus. We see that with Lazarus. When Lazarus came out, he was wrapped up out of the tomb, right? When Jesus was uh, in the tomb, of course, he, he didn't stay in it, but and when Jesus was in the tomb, they wrapped him up, they put him in. Uh, that They would put them inside a tomb, and normally a family would own a tomb. Uh, and the whole family would be there. Sometimes there would be multiple bodies in one tomb at one time. In fact, that's, that's why it was such a significant thing that Jesus, the tomb they used, was a new tomb, we hear from Scripture. Because uh, it, it's one thing for like 10 bodies to be in there or for multiple bodies to be uh, in a tomb and all decaying at different uh, times and then one of them to go missing. That's one thing. For there to only supposed to be one body in there and one body goes missing, that's a big thing, okay? So it's a big thing for the fact that Jesus is tomb was a new tomb but oftentimes it would be owned by an entire family cousins uh, nephews nieces grandma grandpa mom dad everyone would use the same one and sometimes there would be multiple bodies in there in the process of decay they would stay in there for sometimes up to an entire year as the body decayed as the body decayed they would then take all of the bones and they would put them in what's called an ossuary uh, or a bone box. We were just there and we got to see some of them in Israel. And so I had to take a couple of pictures where they took them out of some of the crypts. There's no bones in them anymore. Don't worry about it. But, um, but they uh, would take the bones then that had decayed and they would put them all in one little box. Normally as the box was about as big as the femur uh, since all of it could fit in about that size. And they would put it in there. And then from there, then they would put it inside of the... Uh, uh, inside of the crypt or the, the family uh, keeps a uh, spot where they would keep it. But, uh, and then in the process of all of that, I didn't even talk about the process of uh, their ointments and all of the things they would do that to anoint the body. And it, I mean, so what this man is saying, all that to say, what this man is saying is, Jesus, I'll follow you, but not yet. That's what Jesus is saying. He's prolonging his following of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, stop procrastinating, okay? Uh, this is a pressing priority to follow me. And yet, many, many of us, I feel like, uh, have the same mindset as this man where I've got a lot of things to get in order first, then I'll follow Jesus. Uh, I, and Jesus, what Jesus is saying is stop procrastinating, stop putting it off, no excuses, okay? No excuses. Uh, there, there's a higher priority and that is following me. And, uh, and uh, Jesus is saying, uh, first of all to this man, no excuses. Uh, it, I mean, if we, 
If we really don't want to commit to something, we're normally pretty good about coming up with excuses, right? I mean, we're like, uh, will you help me move on such and such day? Yeah, of course, but I don't really want to do it. So that day, my car all of a sudden has problems, okay? And I can't go and help. And I'm, I'm being facetious because I understand cars do have problems. Our van door fell off last week. So I understand, okay? Cars have problems. But the truth is, oftentimes, when we want... Uh, when we don't want to truly commit to some, we are good at coming up with excuses for why we won't do it. And Jesus is saying, following me means no excuses. No prolonging or procrastinating. Truly commit or don't. I, I think of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, the church at Laodicea. Uh, God said to them, said, I wish that you were either hot or cold. Either follow fully or don't follow at all. But because you're lukewarm, I'm, I'm spitting you out of my mouth, is what he said. Stop being a fair weather fan and, and commit to being a real follower of Jesus. But not only is Jesus saying to this man, no excuses, no procrastinating. He's saying, there is no higher priority. Uh, it, the dead, the spiritually dead, when he says, let the dead bury their dead, he's talking about the spiritually dead. Let them take care of the dead. Let the spiritually dead take care of the dead because the spiritually dead need life. So you go preach the kingdom of God. He said there's a pre more pressing priority here. Uh, Jesus is saying there should be no higher priority than following him. It's gonna take true commitment. I think of when Peter had denied Jesus three times and after they saw Jesus died and buried, they didn't know what to do and Peter said, well, I'm going fishing. And it wasn't like I need a stress reliever from all of this so I'm going fishing. What Peter was saying is, I'm done following Jesus. It's done. I'm done. I'm going to go back to the fisherman's life. Fisher, fishing for him was the, a lifestyle, was a, uh, his source of income. That was uh, his purpose in life. And so when he says, I'm going fishing, he was saying, I'm done following Jesus. And yet, what do we see in John 21? After all of that takes place, and Jesus has come, and he reveals himself to his disciples. He's on the shore. He's cooking some fish for them. And he says to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? A lot of people have speculated whether he's talking about the fish. Do you love me more than the fish? Do you love me more than the disciples? Do you love me more than the disciples love me? There's a lot of things that he could have been asking, but Peter knew what he was asking. He said, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, I love you. He said, feed my sheep. What was Jesus saying? Don't just say it, show it. Following me is not just saying you love me. Following me is showing that you love. Live it out. And then even in that same chapter, Peter is asked to follow again. It's his third time. Peter had to do a lot of things in threes. I mean, he was uh, called to follow Christ three times. Uh, he was called to, or he denied Christ three times. Uh, and, then he, uh, and then he was asked, do you love me three times? It's, it's just interesting that it often came in threes. And then, um, but in that same chapter, Jesus the third time in Peter's lifetime said, follow me. And what did Peter say? What about John? <laughs> he goes, don't worry about John. John's not your priority. I'm your priority. Whatever I say to John, he's going to do. You follow me. You follow me. Make sure that I am your priority. If we want to truly be a follower of Christ, it's going to take true commitment. No excuses. No higher priority. But I want us to see lastly that following Jesus is a life of total concentration. Total concentration. Not just being committed and not just trusting him completely, but totally concentrating on 
the task at hand. In verse 61 and 62, we see another man give an excuse uh, or a, a request to the Lord when he asks, can I go back and I say goodbye to my family back at home? And Jesus says, no man having put his hand to the plow and turning back is fit for the kingdom of God. Honestly, it didn't seem as, uh, at first glance to me, to be an unreasonable request. Elijah let Elisha do that. When Elisha went to go follow in Elijah's steps uh, to go back and say goodbye to his family, and yet Jesus' response was this, hey, I need you, I, I need you to not look back. I, I need you to look forward. I need, I need you, if you're gonna follow me, to concentrate on the task at hand. He had a, an intention to follow through, but he wasn't ready to follow yet. <clears throat> um, and so Jesus uses this analogy of a plow and all of them would have been familiar with farming at that time. And I won't belabor this point so much because we saw it in the Sermon on the Mount actually about a month ago as we were studying in there uh, of Jesus saying, if you look, if, wherever you're focused, whatever you're focused on is going to uh, actually affect where, what, how you act and what you do. And, and so we see this all the time, driving and losing our, uh, our, our focus and getting on the rumble strip or running into things, all of that. And, and Jesus is saying this. He's saying, if you want to be a close follower of him, then we need to make sure that we're concentrated on the things that he has called us to do. No turning back, <clears throat> not going backward in our Christian life. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, the just, they live by faith. And if we draw back, there's no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back, is what the writers of, uh, of Hebrews says. Those who live by faith are not those that draw back, but those that believe in faith to the saving of the soul and then move forward in faith, just as all the people before us did. And that's when he transitions into Hebrews chapter 11 and gives us what we call the hall of faith. He says, because by faith, this person did this. By faith, this person did this. So moving forward in faith, not drawing back, moving forward. Uh, Paul said in Philippians chapter three, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before Paul said, I don't draw back, I don't turn back, I don't look back because every time I get distracted with the past, with what's behind me, it keeps me from moving forward. So I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he continues saying, so let us therefore, he's talking to anyone who reads the book of Philippians, he's saying, let us all, as many as be perfect, that word means mature, if you're mature, you're following Christ, be thus minded. And, and nevertheless, whereto we have already attained what you already know to do, <clears throat> don't go backward. Keep doing that and keep moving forward, he says. Let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. And then he uses the very word, brethren, be followers together with me. He, he calls us to look forward by faith <clears throat> and not draw back or turn back. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here, that we're not to fall back. If we're going to be true followers of Jesus, we need to continue moving forward. But it's going to take total concentration. It's going to take us being intentional about what we're doing and why we're doing it in the power of the Spirit. Because if we allow our focus to shift, then our actions are going to sing or shift with it. I think of, just in closing, that uh, song that we often sing uh, for invitations here uh, we, we, haven't, we don't really sing during invitation here at Ridgepoint, but often people will sing this during an invitation. It's that uh, old song, I have decided to follow Jesus. It, it goes, I have decided to follow Jesus, right? You know it? 
and goes over, repeats that and says, no turning back, no turning back. Second verse says, uh, though no one join me, still I will follow. Last verse says, the world behind me, the cross before me. And we sing those words, but for the majority of American Christianity, it seems that it would be truer if the words of the song were this, I have decided that I like Jesus. <laughs> Might turn back. <laughs> but I've decided that I like Jesus. If no one joined me, I might not follow. The world intrigues me. The cross forgives me. What does Paul say about that? He says, hey, uh, we shouldn't continue in sin that grace may abound. Man, the world intrigues me, but the cross will forgive it, so I'm okay. And yet this is how oftentimes we live as Christians. If no one joined me, I might not follow. I've decided that I like Jesus. Don't know if I'll actually really follow through, but I do like him. Yet it's time that we stop just being a part of Jesus' fan base, constantly driven away by the world, constantly coming up with excuses for why we can't obey certain teachings of Scripture, and constantly pulling out when things get hard. That needs to end, and it's time to commit. Commit to really following Christ. Uh, living a life that is trusting completely, no reservations. A, a life with true commitment, no excuses. No higher priority. And with total concentration, no turning back. This continually moving forward for Christ. I believe that if we'll have this mindset here at Rich Point, as individuals, as a church, Lord, we trust you completely. We know there's hard days ahead. We look back at the blessings. It wasn't without hardships. One of the songs we were gonna sing this morning, but I skipped it just for sake of time, uh, says, scars and struggles on the way. But with joy, our hearts can say, never once did we ever walk alone because you are faithful. God, you are faithful. Man, looking back, God is blessed. It wasn't without scars and struggles. And we gotta know, but ahead of it, there's gonna be hardships ahead as well. But if we'll trust completely in following him, no reservations, seeing the Lord work in our lives. True commitment, not coming up with excuses or putting other things before him, but truly committing to him and him alone and with total concentration, no turning back, but constantly moving forward. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button, or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.